As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Before we get started, a quick correction from last week's show. I have been informed that you can now buy USD from any bank in Argentina and you no longer have to go through a black market. So thank you, Gons, and on to the show. So I would like to change my answer. Uh, You asked me how long I was going to be at Altero. I said four back then. I'd like to update. Yeah, four years. And I think I want to update it to forever. So that was one of the members of Gunto's team from Off Zero. He had just traveled for 35 hours straight from India to attend their team offsite in Panama. 35 hours, that's crazy. Yeah. So what happens at these offsites that makes even the weariest of travelers excited enough to commit a lifetime of labor to a company? We are going to take you behind the scenes, listen in on some product discussions, team building exercises, and even sit in on a questionable rap session. So stay tuned. 
Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. So to recap what we learned in the first episode, we're going to be following Gunto for the next couple months. Gunto grew up in Buenos Aires with a tight-knit family. He splits his time between Buenos Aires and Seattle, where the company is technically headquartered. He travels for a couple weeks each month, which his girlfriend absolutely hates. And I know we're going to talk about that more. But first, the offsite. Now, when we first join Gunto, it's at the team's 2018 offsite in Panama. As people start arriving, there's an absolute feeling of excitement. With a, a company of 350 employees, they've reached a point where it's nearly impossible to know everyone working at the company. Many of them are strangers meeting for the first time. The one thing binding them together is this mission to grow Auth0, the identity authentication platform. We had all sorts of people coming in from different countries. 300 people, it's amazing. Like The amount of cross-cultural exchange that we are having here is out of this world. And uh, I'm excited. This is amazing. As people arrive, there are impromptu meetings happening in the lobby. Teammates are reuniting, many meeting for the very first time. On a Westin um, hotel, we actually were 80% of the hotel was us. Something that to me was funny is that, like, I know, of course, everybody on my team, but I don't know everybody on other teams. So I was getting people that had the Outzero t-shirt, so I assumed they were working at Outzero. But I didn't even know who they were. So part of it is like meeting these people and talking to them. And when, I remember I was in the swimming pool the first day and people started to like show up. And we were like first like five, then 10, then 30. And then basically the swimming pool and the drinks was ours. And then when we started the evening event, which was like the first start of, of everything, there were like 300 people. It, it, it was like a wedding, basically, of Outsido, with all people seated in tables, talking to each other. And to me, it's amazing to see how many people we are and the amount of people that I don't know who they are or what they do. And then the conference begins. And this really feels like a conference. Everyone gathers in the hotel ballroom. There's a projector and a stage. Day one is conference-style presentations. Their CEO, Eugenio Pace, he set the company vision for the next year. And VPs and directors, they give presentations on what their team's focus will be. The product team revealed their upcoming vision for the product, codenamed Auth0 2020. And my favorite part, the value awards. And solve the issue for the customer regardless. Not only that, he was also extremely supportive of the CSM on that account at the time, who was very new to Auth0. And it just shows he not only earns trust and respect, but he gives it out too, which I think is a fantastic uh, commendation. And that is for our winner for this category, which is Sean Meyer. Then in the afternoon, some of the team gathers for an impromptu jobs-to-be-done conversation with Chris Speck, their head of product strategy. This is our jobs... Open space. Uh, that we jobs open space? That we we created it uh, ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't address this job, it turns into this job. Yes. It's just the same thing. These people are ahead of it. These people got caught. And that's why we were saying that this starts as a project, but it might move to the org as well. Yes. Yeah. We haven't interviewed them, but they started with the one project, and now it's like their pushes to try to move it. And are they are they screwed yet? Are they like they're not screwed yet? I think they are for them. Yeah, I think yeah. they're good. Okay. So they were they're one we would have to do an interview on. Yeah, I think. Yeah. 
I think it's interesting how many people we have here. I know. This is the biggest one. And we don't know how to get the features. So this is this is a pot of gold. If I can get people to make this leap, stop thinking about this. If they, you get stuck here. This is like um, what's a metaphor? There's got to be other shopping metaphors. Like you get stuck until you break the thing down. You're just like ah, nah, 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 nah. it's an engineering thing. They compose big front into small ones that you can solve. Yeah. And at the end of the night, Gunto reflected on these conversations. We ended up meeting with Chris, who runs product for us here, and we went deeper into the jobs. We had some jobs that we did based on the jobs to be done workshop, and we dig deeper to have them more clarified, and something that we're trying to do now is how do we go from jobs and finishes that we have to specific ways of finding who they are, specific ways of talking to them and appealing to them, specific features or something that would um, that they would like to see if we can start creating packages. We have a lot of customers here, like how did they discover us and why did they use Outzero? I think that why they discovered us could be interesting to see. Like when they discovered us, did they already think of the small problem or were they already, or were they thinking of the big problem? Scott, Scott, we just have he researches and finds us zero. So Scott was one that was not like I came from another. So job. we're starting to work on basically getting it down to earth. Like for us, the jobs sometimes are like they need to finish a project on time, um, and because of that, they need to rush and they need like a good identity system that the developer really loves because they are the ones who will need to be implementing it. And well, after doing more calls. Um, during this year, we used that data to start digging deeper again and making it a little bit more specific. Just being a fly on the wall, you can immediately see the value that's created from these offsites. You can see just how passionate the team is about the product they're building. So day one wraps, everyone is exhausted, and the team, at least most of them, get ready for day two of their offsite. Tomorrow we have the amazing race, which is like a scavenger hunt. So I'm excited about it. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att. Dot com. That's business.att.com. Day two starts off with more team bonding. They've organized a scavenger hunt and they break into small teams to see who can complete it the fastest. Um, we did a scavenger hunt called The Amazing Race. That's a race to the um, fifth um, part of the. Where we played in different teams. Um, both marketing, finance, and HR. Um, the main idea was to do like team building. You got to like uh, do ability thing. Not a puzzle. You guys have two minutes to put the map together to earn full points here. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. Mark. Get set. Go. Oh wow. <laughs> Yeah. Wait. No, that's not about there. Here. I think it was here. Okay. Cool. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, maybe that. Oh, oh, where's this little, there's a funny, um, what has this funny... Funny thingy? Here, right here. What's it? Oh, no. yep. I'm missing this one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the other way around, the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo! Now, we couldn't record everything from the day because much of what was discussed won't be released for another year. But we can tell you about a couple of the exercises that the team did. Right after the scavenger hunt, they got the team together for something called speed dating. Yeah, that sounds like an HR violation (laughs) waiting to happen. It's not actual dating, right? It's a way for them to meet as many people on the team as possible in the shortest amount of time. They spend three minutes talking about what they do at the company, and they ask some questions back and forth. And then today was like a marketing thing um, mostly so first thing we did was a speed dating activity to be honest um, I thought it was going to be very bad it was amazing Um, it was uh, you were talking to one person for three minutes then the next then the next and you get to learn so many things from the other person I I wish we had um, more than three minutes then there were lightning talks. Until today, I thought they were called lightning talks, but apparently lightning is what happens when you have a storm. And this was lightning. Um, again, five minutes each. And Gunto gave a presentation that perhaps unknowingly reflects a lot about who he is and how he's seen his career path. It was all about getting over imposter syndrome, something he seemed to face head on in his career. So as the sun sets on day two, Gunto has one last final thought. Now my <laughs> my voice is almost out because I've been doing karaoke. We did karaoke tonight. All of us together. We're doing the final one on Friday, but today was a lot of people. I did um what's my age again? So I took her out. It was a Friday night. I work alone. Anyway, time to sleep. So stay tuned. Coming up on day three. Gunto's team has a product planning breakthrough that will set the course on the next couple months of testing. This and more coming up right after the We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Now, Back to the show. So day three is all about cross-team collaboration. With a company as large as Auth0, it often becomes harder and harder for teams to reach outside of their departments for meaningful collaboration. Listening back on this audio, it becomes really obvious that it takes about three days for people to get comfortable enough to start having more in-depth conversations. Conversations that are hard to have when you really don't know each other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, day one, you know, that's all about the presentations and disseminating the big ideas. And day two, you get that team bonding starting to happen. But day three, it's really about going deep into collaboration issues and strategy. And it's all about how the teams can better work together. In a Q&A session uh, between Gunto and some members of the team, um, questions started to come up about fears as the, the company grows larger and larger. To me, in general, I think that the main fear is always around everybody has opinions. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has opinions, and I think that, for example, something that happened now with the hero is the other day I spent four hours talking to Dan Arias because you sent me a message and he was like having the opinion on public on the channel. So I started charging on him on the on the M, 
and he has like a lot of feedback on like how to change things, etc. But it's already been done. So I think that part of my fear is like we're 300 people. It's impossible that everybody will like the new home. But to me, the fear is around. Let's make sure that to understand like who are the people who should be consulted, who is the people that have like the final decision, and why and not share it before to certain people because sometimes what happens is you're iterating before and you show it too early or at the same time the same the same thing can happen the other way like you show somebody something too late so i think something important is to define who will do the checks and i can't tell you how many times i've run into this problem when building a product trying to make software work for too many people and failing to really give anybody a good experience So the team broke for a bit and they came back together to have conversations about testing, the best methods for testing, individual features and what tests should be run before launching a feature. That's my question. How do you, if you test like a really big thing, how do you isolate what worked from what didn't? Well, so so real real fast, uh, I think what you're saying, if I understand correctly, I think it's an argument to say, well... The majority of cases, so let's say we're redesigning the, the pricing page. Mm-hmm. So for me, this, this is an argument to say, okay, well, instead of just redesigning the whole thing, let's redesign. I love hearing these conversations about how product and growth can work closer together. This is something, at least just from some of my own experiences, that a lot of companies really struggle with. How does a growth team impact the product roadmap? And how do we share resources between the two teams? Or in many ways, they're two sides of the same coin. Another important aspect that comes up from these conversations is how to test, when to test, why to test. Spend a lot of time on this. That's a lot of it. I think like uh, what I'm trying to get at is that we can maybe harmonize doing like that stuff with doing the bigger vision stuff with user testing. If we have a like a really we are really confident on we want to do a calculator or we want to do like a big idea. We spend a lot of time in design with that and we test it, maybe not in production, mm-hmm. but we test this big concept. Maybe it's in ambition or maybe it's uh, a prototype that we built. Yeah, and not all tests are created equal. And if you think just throwing together an A-B test and seeing which converts better is good enough, we're actually going to take you on a little ride here. So as the conversation goes on, they start to compare A-B testing to usability testing. In isolation, people might get through the, the pricing calculator and go, I don't understand the results or how you got there. I don't trust the results. That's fine. So you're going to work on the individual project to, to make it so that when they get to the end, they go, oh, yeah, I see how I got there. It makes sense. But you could then introduce as an A-B test and find that for the 50% of the population that has access to the pricing calculator, whether they've clicked on it or not, just the, the folks that have access to it where it shows up as an option, maybe they convert less. Maybe we get less money there. Even though you've optimized it in, in usability testing, it could be that in A-B testing, it, it, it makes the, the metric worse. So that's that combination of doing them kind of doing them both. It's about interpreting the... The change on the now, later in the season, we'll see how they take feedback directly from usability testing and iterate on one of the growth tests that they're running. Another issue that comes up in this conversation is around scope. The design team is asking for more defined scope around features that they're designing, and the growth team is trying to explain that they don't always know the scope, or they think they know it, and then they learn something new, and it changes. It's okay. That's the okay. problem is when you don't know... Like, it's difficult for us to build something we don't know what we have to build. 
Like so it, taking it, it, what, what? take something into screen that is not clear, it's super difficult. And it takes so much time for us to figure out what is the solution because we don't. Yeah. So, so the, the starting point is always a test plan, right? It's the equivalent of like the business case or something, but for tests. The starting yeah. is a test plan. Here's a metric we want to impact. Here's a little bit of a background of why we, you know, how we came to this idea. Mm -hmm. You know, here's what the control is. Here's roughly what we're thinking about in terms of the, the test experience. But then from there, the details are TBD for the whole team to, to kind of work that, together on. That's and that's okay. Yeah. But like, for example, if you take the example of the open and deconnect. I just had a meeting scheduled on my calendar for a meeting with Abhishek to demo the Open and Connect flow that I've never seen what it even was and that I didn't know what it was going to be used for. And there was no kickoff before that. So then we made a kickoff and it was like, if we actually made a kickoff first, like invest some time on all of And one of the big initiatives that was revealed at this offsite was Auth0 2020, which is codename for their big product vision of the future. You'll be hearing more about Auth0 2020 as the season progresses. But at this point, Auth0 2020 is a concept, an early idea, a, a North Star for them to strive for. Uh, chat about, which is Auth0 2020. One of my fears with Auth0 2020 is that we're doing something that we think internally that works. We didn't talk to customers, we didn't talk to users, we didn't talk to solutions architects, which are the ones that work with customers and implementing things. We didn't talk to pre-sales engineers, which are the ones who are talking to the customers before the interview. So I'm very scared and worried of implementing something that we came up talking on an offsite five people instead of doing another thing. And something that I want to understand is how can we help so that it's not us, just us. In this discussion, Gunto is advocating here to dedicate resources from the growth team to help define and test some of these initiatives. Like something that I would like is, as we were saying, like maybe we can help with user testing or interviews or inside like Yushi, we can help them out. And yes. I think it would make sense to have somebody from the team included. Like. And they realize there are so many questions that really need to be answered before they can even dig more into the design process. What kind of research would we do would be appropriate for? Who's the audience that we want to improve? What kind of reaction would be successful, not successful? You know, is it, do we expect that the 2020 is going to work better for, you know, enter, enterprise of a certain type, a certain like developers, like who getting that, you know, persona a little bit more big as well, then deriving the research from there. But, Definitely starts with the personas. Like yeah. it would help us determine how many participants we need and what type of. Yeah, and we've done some work on, on that space as well, and Product has done some work with jobs there. Uh, so I think, yeah, we need to... Maybe we should do, I think, like, a, once we start 2020, like a kickoff call with Rose, as Jared and Chidi were saying, to start defining some of the things. It's like, mm -hmm. how we work together, where do we start, what do we define, and what sort of now, Eventually, they move on to iron out another issue that often plagues organizations at this size cross-team collaboration and all of the hurdles that happen when trying to communicate. They start to discuss a specific launch that happened last year where marketing had everything completed, but then engineering got held up at the last minute and they didn't seem to communicate properly. Yeah, it becomes really clear that as a team, they haven't discussed this launch until this offsite. On the other hand, it is likely that it will happen. We should, for the first time, feature that we might find an issue in production, right? But that we test whatever is around, right? So it's not, right? But it's just if it's an H, we're going to have to have a work back plan. And oh, yeah. We're going to need to have the technology in production yeah. with plenty of buffer 
I mean, if, if, you learn, if it's a high impact launch, we don't mess around. Right. I really love the focus on the solution. Such an important skill for teams to have. How powerful are these conversations? Even though these are long days, you can see the team pushing through a lot of topics. It's like they know that they only have so many hours left of this offsite. Yeah, and they move on to one of my favorite topics, which is metrics. Now, this is the growth team and the product team discussing how to set up product metrics and then track them. It's kind of a... I, I'm gonna, it's hard. It's well, hard. exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so I'm going to attempt to answer that in a second, but I just want to like okay. let that sink in for a second, right? Like, there's all kinds of features, all kinds of products, all kinds of different goals, right? Ah, guys in the growth, guys and gals in the growth team, like, are we in a better position to just like pick a number out of a hat for like this is the right success metric for that? No, we're not. Right? So, uh, but generally, right? There's three just standard approaches to coming up with a, a assessment. So one is you can benchmark against external products or, or companies, right? If you have, you know, if Octa wants to give us their data, we can see for the same future, we can see uh, how we're doing against that. The second thing is you can benchmark against other off zero features. Right. And the third thing is you could obviously benchmark that feature against that feature's historical performance. Right. So for those built dashboards that help them measure the results of what they're building, and they start to break down how teams internally can use benchmarking against other features to measure success. There's four main elements that they're focused on when they're measuring a product feature. One, do people use it? Two, do people continue to use it? Three, who gets the most value out of using it? And four, how does that feature support the overall retention rate? And data analysis can be really complex. As products grow and have more and more moving parts, it gets more complicated to determine causation versus correlation. Take this, for example. So, for example, you might create one tenant for, um, for like staging or development. You might create another tenant for production. And when we're looking at the data, we see some really weird things about some tenants, you know, pain, but they, they had usage, but now they have no usage. And it's really because we're looking at different pieces of the puzzle, and we're just trying to put those pieces together. Um, Eventually, the team wraps up, everyone's exhausted, and the team gets together for one last party. With all of data Walner at some point, we put together a little performance for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Gunto had these final thoughts reflecting on the day. I think that to me, life is about moments when you feel something. When you feel something, those are the moments that you will remember. And I have, I have had a lot of people, both in my teams, as well as people that I've recommended to the company, just come to me um, and, tell me, and, and thanking me for, for the opportunity and telling me how amazing it was for them, um, that they like the company, they like the culture. And 
I know I will remember that again because I felt something inside that chill. So again, I'm really happy about the offsite. And every time I, I come here, it's like a massive investment. This offsite was um, $2.5 million, but definitely worth it. Even more in a remote company like us, being able to see people face to face is priceless. I'd call that a success. So coming up later in the season, we'll see how these conversations translate when everyone goes back to being remote. And I can't wait for that. Of course, next week, we'll dive deeper into Lee Tangum's story as he works to build out a new product for local businesses in Cranbrook, British Columbia. And in a couple weeks, we'll learn about the A-B test that grew out of these conversations and see how the team decides on what is the best direction to go. So for example, <laughs> the main engineer, he thinks that low forcefulness is the one that's going to work because like he he's like, he's like a good engineer and he likes researching things, understanding things himself before implementing them. And when okay. he gets like a step-by-step, he hates that. I think the opposite. I think that most people don't have time because we're in an anxious world where we need like one, two, three, four because my attention span is like very narrow. Thanks so much for tuning in to season five of Rocketship.fm. For the next couple of months, we're going to be taking you deep into these stories and we're incredibly excited to do that for you we're also proud to now be part of the podglomerate network so if you'd like to check out more great podglomerate shows go to thepodglomerate.com and man there's a ton so if you like what you hear leave us a review we always love it and we'll see you back here next week